We were at Daily Mount last week. As a Lucan United supporter, we see the good, the bad and the ugly of League of Ireland football. You're listening to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com to discuss the Irish women's team who guaranteed themselves a World Cup playoff by beating Finland tonight. League of Ireland clubs made easy work of the non-league clubs in the FAA Cup. What do we learn from that? And Michael O'Neill, he's looking for a job. Could he fit back into a League of Ireland spot? Let's have a little talk about that, Nathan, because there is spots <laughs> available. Uh, Nathan... The women's team. We have to start off with the women's team because I know Definitely. we're going to talk about a whole load of different things about the, the non-league teams in the FAI Cup. We'll start off because tonight the women's team guaranteed themselves, a historic night, guaranteed themselves a, a playoff place for the World Cup. We're, we're all starting to dream now of uh, que sera, yeah. sera and uh, give it a lash. Jack, but I was going to say Vera, but I don't know if that sounded right. <laughs> we'll have to walk on the chance, won't we? we have to walk yeah, on the yeah, yeah. In fairness, if they do get through with the World Cup, quali- uh, the World Cup playoff now, it'll be the first ever appearance in a major tournament. So do give us a bit of luck. We will walk on the chance. We have a few months to build up to walk on it. But as you said, right, an absolutely huge achievement by uh, Vera Pau and, and the, uh, the Irish women's national team beating Finland 1-0 in uh, Tallis Stadium. Uh, had a goal by Jessica, oh, sorry, Lily, excuse me, I think Jessica Zoo, the uh, Shelbourne player who was excellent on the night as well, actually. Uh, so, excuse me, uh, Lily Ag uh, with a brilliant header in the 54th minute to give us the winning goal. We were talking about it off camera, weren't we? Dar, she came on. She was uh, outstanding. Just, just before the, four, the, the, the half time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, outstanding the minute she touched the ball. The very first touch of the ball, she got passing, just doing it simple, switching the play. I thought she was excellent from yeah. the first 10 minutes and I went, God, she's a player. You're yeah. kind of thinking, why is she playing? Like, she is a good player. Uh, but she continued that on. She did, yeah. And actually had a goal, Roy. Um, well-deserved on the night. Uh, like I said, second place now guaranteed. Playoffs, boss secured. With Sweden now through uh, automatically as the league winners. We do have the small task of playing Slovakia now on Tuesday, the 6th of September, but that's merely a formality now. So, yeah, all eyes on the playoff draw, whenever that is. We obviously bring it to you here on the big kickoff in the podcast. We'll be talking loads now more about the, the, the women's side with hopefully a big summer uh, next summer in Australia and New Zealand with the World Cup. But we talked about the progression, haven't we, Roy, of the women's game domestically and internationally now in this country, especially on, on, on the international side. has really come to the forefront yeah. lately. We talked about the improved ranking system and the, the uh, the young players that are breeding in. Like again, you look at Ella Malloy on the bench. She didn't play now today for Wexford, but 18 years of age, someone that's going to be representing the uh, the, the League of Ireland, hopefully in the short term, because you'd imagine she really going to move on to bigger and better things. So you're getting these young players coming through, but this is real, really starting to stamp down that progress now. It's, it's justifying it, isn't it, when you find mm-hmm. yourself in these player positions and hopefully in the World Cup uh, group stages. Yeah. What did you... F- think about how they played and, and the style of football they played Nathan I've seen messages going up about you know where are we sitting back this is real sort of Trapatoni yeah. football and you know w- was it because of the position do you think that we were we were playing in if, our, our biggest chance to get to a, 
World Cup, I suppose, and a little bit of nerves around it, a bit, a bit of caution. I think it's the opposition as well, Roy. I remember watching them play Finland in Helsinki uh, earlier on in the qualifications, and it worked. It was a similar enough setup that they used. They used uh, pretty much a flat back five at times, didn't they? Especially in the first half, uh, Finland were looking at a lot of just the long balls over the top to the centre forward, which seemed to be the thing they went back to on, on a regular basis. So, no, I just think that it must be uh, something to do with the opposition. Like I said, they've done that before in the past. It did get a little bit better in the second half. I thought uh, when Megan Campbell got an opportunity to get down to the left-hand side, a couple of bad balls in by her, but she did look dangerous when, when the cross was right. So, yeah, down that side seemed to be the real danger zone for Ireland. But, yeah, it, it just seemed there must have been something that they flagged with the Finland side because it's two games now they set up very similar. We're in conjunction. Obviously, you don't talk about the Georgia games, the 11 nails and stuff. They're just... It gave me at this stage, but they seem to have a bit more of um, attacking prowess against the like the Ukraine. So yeah, they yeah. must have must have really honed in that the the central striker that Finland had must be a real danger point. Yeah, and I say when I say Northern Ireland in the European Championships, they kind of set themselves up a bit like that. You know, very defensive, probably known their limits. But there are some good players in this team, and and you know, we had opportunities. O'Sullivan had a great chance with a header in the first half. I think with five minutes to go before half time, I thought she should have buried it. I should think have. I think yeah. the commentators were very nice to her saying that uh, oh, it was unlucky. I thought it was free header should have buried it, but. We 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 looked we looked decent at times and and we've seen them in other games they they look well so listen let's let's fingers crossed wrap them all up in, in bubble wrap and don't let them out until these playoff games come along but it's great for Irish football great for women's football and great for girls football all the way through to uh, academy level at your age fours and fives and all it's just, it's just it's great to see so many uh, girls out there. Uh, having something to focus on and uh, it's it's if they get to a World Cup it'll just help the country nah, it it's, it's, it, we talked about the relatability factor Roy haven't we that if you're a young girl in this country there's now a pathway it's not perfect but it's a pathway that's starting to show itself now that you mm-hmm. can go into uh, the Women's National League domestically and still get into to the Irish squad like we said Jessica Zoo started Ella Malloy was on the bench uh, Chloe Mustaki from Shells as well came on 15 minutes ago you still have the likes of Anya Gorman who's still doing excellent work with P-Mount she was in the bench too so the Women's National League has been well represented uh, in the Europe House squad Last week Nathan the League of Ireland clubs made easy work of the non-league clubs and I said at start what what have we learned from that is there is there a case for non-league teams not to be in it or is it just a case that well, we really should be expecting our Premier Division teams to be winning nearly nine times, if not ten times out of ten against these teams. Yeah, look, I think to, to say that they shouldn't be in it is a bit of a joke. I know you're not saying that personally. It's just something that's been, that's coming up. Obviously. Um, obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we've seen, we, you can always pick out this, the surprise packages, can't we, through multiple, through the decades of the FEI Cup, you know, we've seen uh, intermediate sides and non-league sides beaten. Uh, Premier Division sides so four division teams because we talked about this before me setting myself off camera that the gap between I'm just going to say Leinster Senior Football is what me and you know best just yeah. from where we're from the gap between Leinster Senior Football and Force Division Football it really isn't that big in terms of talent what, what yeah. you're probably looking at and I'd actually want to ask you this question Roy uh, to take the lead a little bit because you would know m- more than me which are involved in the Luke and United and we will we will get you to talk about Luke and I know you're dying you're sweating you have the little for people on YouTube you have the picture in the background that's these lights well, they're killing me <laughs> <laughs> go on <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, the gap in terms of talent isn't that big. But for me, a lot of it does come down to, to the funding issue where we talk about the funding in the Premier Division and the Force Division, but down at these community clubs, it, it's just it's, it's a daily fight and it must be morale it must be zapping sometimes when you're getting these knockbacks and you're getting the lack of, of government funding. But if I'm looking at the Premier Division sides uh, in the League of Ireland and if they're not beating the non-league sides on a regular basis, I'd be very, very worried about that one. I think that there's going to be a natural gulf in class between the Premier Division and these non-league teams. But I don't know. Like I said, mate, you're, you're, you're the expert in this sort of in this field. Is it simply is funding the issue or is other things that come with the factor? Well, uh, first of all, I don't know, did Lucan United retire Keith Long? I'm not sure, but we'll be talking about that. And and Michael O'Neill, we'll be talking about as well. And it all might combine into something just a little bit after this. But when you look at Lucan United, who uh, I went to see them play Bohemians, and it was a brilliant day out. And I have to say, Bohemians were absolutely brilliant to the club. Um, they couldn't have been a better host, uh, even though we were at home. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, fair yeah. play to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, great crowd, 3,200. I think Lucan had about 700 uh, followers there, so that's amazing for a non-league club. But when you talk about the results and, and, and you look at the team, they're huge. It's 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 nearly full time football with with Bohemians. All right, it, much, yeah. if they if they if they if they're not pro uh, officially, they're going to be training like a pro. You'll get them in the mornings training before they do whatever they do, and then they come back and they'll train in the evenings. And so, uh, and there, there will be a couple of pro players, but that's it's complete comparison to what th- th- these league or, or the non-league clubs do where they train when they can get the train uh, you know twice a week sometimes they'll be training three so three times a week and even four times a week maybe in the, in their pre-season but that doesn't continue on it's it's very hard for it to, con- to continue on you know um and as i said to you before Nathan like Luke and we had our the, the goalkeeper for Luke and United uh, on the night who was absolutely excellent was their second team goalkeeper the first team goalkeeper uh, had a work related accident where he got ran over by a forklift and you just don't get that with League of Ireland no, clubs you, you know they don't have that you don't have that worry you know so it's it's hard for our teams to compete when they have jobs and they're going to, out and they're rushing back to get to games where League of Ireland teams are, you know, they're training, they're, they're getting all the, the eating the right foods and everything. They have everything laid out for them. So, yeah, no, I, I, it's, it, they're expecting Premier League division teams to really go on and win. And that's why I was disappointed yeah. with Bose. 2-0 against Luke and United. It wasn't good enough, really. They, I didn't think they were very good. They weren't going forward uh, a lot when they got the ball forward it would come back just as quick the wingers didn't want to take on players and etc so yeah they weren't great and it was probably you know what was happening throughout the, the season anyhow for Keith Long's Bohemians I think we'll talk about the good the bad and the ugly Nathan yeah, because, what I thought about was, was it you talking on field or off field with, with well I think it, I think it's when you talk about the, the bad let's put it this way very hard to have to say too many bad things about it because it was a great experience. The bad's the pitch. The pitch isn't a great pitch. There's a big lump of it. And I've seen that before at Daily Mount. And when you watch it on the game, you can see it on the pitch and not on the telly. And normally on the telly, when, you, when, you, when you're looking at it, things aren't as clear. 
Uh, but the, the pitch isn't great, so they they should have sorted that out ages ago. The ugly especially, part is the is especially the de- Roy when I when I started interrupting, but when in the desk, Kelly Stang, which I'm sure you was, yes, fan, yeah. The 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 oil, you're so oil level. You're literally you're actually oil level to the pitch. The stand the way the stand is, yeah. And you really yeah, can't yeah. see the, the divots yeah. and the big bumps, especially in the goal mutes. I wouldn't know, Nate. I was in the director's box for that. Oh, I sure you were. Pound the No prawn sandwiches there, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but then the the ugly part is the stadium, obviously, and. Everyone knows that, but it just gives you, it, it, it conf, it's a conflict against the good, which I'm going to talk to you about, which is is the big part. So you're looking at the, the, the bad, the pitch, the, 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 the ugly, the stadium with the excavator across the way and, and, and what have you. It does look poor. This, the, But the atmosphere in the stadium was electric. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I can't remember the fella's name who walks up and down all the way up and down the stand and gets the chance going. And everyone kind of, you know, works with him. And it's a, give me an M, M give me an A, O, you know, mono, and they're all, mono, And all the way through, from the first minute to the 90th minute, and they go up and down and everyone's responding. You're thinking, this is a brilliant atmosphere, you know. But not even that. When we went into the members bar, it's a real kind of a, a local feel. Everyone's kind of, it's, it, there's a camaraderie. There's a there's a there's something that's pulling the community together, you know. And I just, you, it's something that everyone should be a part of. And you get it with GAA, but you don't get it with as much League of Ireland because it's not around. Now, Kerry are going to get into it, which is great. It's there. It's a huge thing, and if money's put into League of Ireland clubs, there's jobs, and if you build it, they will come. Um, so there's so much good. The, the bad and the ugly, we all know about. Anyhow, it's facilities, yeah. and they really need to catch up with that. But I can't say a bad word about it. Bo, Bo's fans. We I talked to some really good people, uh, and uh, how they treated the team and and everything. Absolutely amazing. Brilliant. I'm sure we'll, we'll uh, jump off this topic soon, mate. But before we do, we had the uh, FEI Cup quarterfinal draw took place. That's right. We'll, we'll just run through them really quickly. Speaking of both, do you have uh, a big Dublin derby in the quarterfinals? Uh, Shelbourne versus Bohemians in Tolka Park. Then we have uh, Treat United versus UCD. Brilliant opportunity for one of them sides to find yes. themselves in semi-final. the semi final. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Waterford versus Dundalk. Waterford seemed to be changing. Another positive. Uh, Ownership. Hopefully, this one lasts. Uh, Andy Pauly, since he went in, he's talking the right game. He's doing the right stuff. He's bringing in some uh, some high-profile there, uh, new recruits. So, yeah, Waterford are looking to make their second semi-final in a row uh, against Dundalk. Obviously, Stevie O'Donnell looking to win his second FA Cup in a row. So, that's another interesting one, and probably the most mouth-watering toy. I'm sure the other sides won't mind saying this is uh, Derry City versus Shamrock Rovers. Up yeah. in the Brandywell Stadium, uh, huge toy that when Shamrock Rovers just scraped past Drotter in the last round, a late uh, Andy Lyons goal uh, in in extra time. So, yeah, some no point even asking you, Roy, what's a standout toy? But uh, what it's away from the Derry and Shamrock Rovers game? What any predictions? Who who, who do you think will, will find themselves in the draw for the for the semi-finals? Well, I'm gonna go on to the Derry and Shamrock Rovers because. Again, we're, we can we can talk about this as well. The Shamrock Rovers are, are in Europe and it's going to be a hectic schedule now really? for them, isn't it? So their their squad already has a few injuries. I know they got someone in today. Um, I can't Ukrainian think what it is. Yeah, 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 Ukrainian Sorry, lad. I'm gone as well, yeah. And 
they really could be stretched with their with their squad at some stage. So th- there's no guarantees here for for Shamrock Rovers, and if Derry can uh, get their act together, easily could uh, get rid of Shamrock Rovers here in this one. Um, yeah, listen, you want you want the underdog to win, don't you? You always want the underdog to win. So you know uh, who hasn't won in a while? I mean, obviously Treaty and UCD. You'd love to see them go on. Are they really going to go on? Probably not, you know. Everything would have to go really, really well for them, and there'd have to be a huge uh, amount of luck in 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 three games, which is is not likely. But uh, Shelbourne could Shelbourne be an an outside bet? They could be, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to see that Derry and Rovers did get each other, and that Derry Rovers and Dundalk all didn't avoid each other. So you did get the looks of Treaty and UCD that could. Get in the semi-finals, and then once you're there, you never know. Well, see, yeah. you've seen this before, though. We've seen like, say, Shelbourne, they could easily uh, get rid of Bowles. They could easily get UCD or Treaty in the semi-finals. All of a sudden, they're in the final. Yeah, and so the finals are the finals form, or nothing comes into the window of finals. You know this. No, and you've seen with Shelbourne this year, they're capable of turning over uh, any team. You know, do you have some good cool players up there, Roy? Like I've been so impressed with Shane Farrell this season in the midfield for Shelbourne. And Jack Moylan when he when he keeps himself fit is. Such an excellent prospect, you know, for such a big lad. He's so willing to take on players and he's very exciting to see. So they do have that bit of attack and prowess that could see them through to Aviva Stadium if anyone was willing to put them on as a little uh, an outside punter. Do you think Damien Duff would smile if they won the cup? Yeah, uh, I think they might get a, a little grimace, maybe. I wouldn't say get a full off smile. I wouldn't say get a full off smile at Damien. He won't be as right. prickly anyway. No, listen, with teams were on bows. Keith Long's gone. Uh, yes. Long time as a manager there, six over six years, isn't it? Eight um, years, yeah. Eight years. Eight, it is eight years. You're eight right. Years. It was 2014. You're correct. We're seeing the, the, the second longest tenured uh, manager in the club's history. Okay, so it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, how do you look back at Keith Long's time there? Because he, he there's there's been some great moments. We said the European adventure. Where they got to the third round. That's the that's the the furthest a Bose team has got, I think, yeah. in Europe. So that adventure there, but no trophies. How how does a how does he fare out? I think if you look at when Keatlon found Bose, if you look at the state of Bose that Keatlon found them in and, and the way they are now, they're in yeah. much better fell from much much better fell off the field, on the field, everything across the board for for me. You can't point out the zero silverware, which is going to be a sticking point for a lot of people. He's uh, charged for 299 games, which is bugging the life out of my OCD that you can get <laughs> to, the round, to the round 300. Yeah, I get it. Um, but yeah, I think it's been nothing but positive. I don't think any other manager could have done the job that Keith Long done during yeah. that eight-year tenure. I was really surprised to hear this news, Roy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, for a couple of reasons. And look, we just we jump into now. I thought you would have seen now. Easy would have seen out this season. Maybe would have got the fourth round of next year's fixtures. Simply because... We talked about that. This is still in the FEI Cup. So European football next year isn't completely off the cards. It looks extremely difficult in, in the league standings. That's, they're, they're in sixth place. I think they're 12 points off fourth now at this stage. So it's looking increasingly difficult to do that. But with the FEI Cup, they have the back door in, into the Europa Conference League. Uh, the fact that Keith has also brought in seven players in, in the summer transfer window, I thought the club was allowing them to build, get the players in that he wants and build for next season. So... To see him get removed so quickly after the window closed was a strange for me. I understand it. The performance have got really stale. I watched him against Dundalk a couple of weeks ago and they were horrific. They yeah. were absolutely horrific. And then I watched him on Monday night against St. Pat's. Pat's beating 3-1 in daily mounts. 
the formation change twice throughout the, uh, the game. Uh, the, the pairs that the new player, I oh, know it's going to take, like I said, seven new players, it's going to take a while for new formations and relationships to gel and to work together. But they look like a complete group of strangers that have never played a game of football together. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely, if you're a Boas fan, that is a worrying aspect. And is that part of it, Nathan? It, it's the pressure from the fans, really, that called it in the end. Yeah, you could, the Bills were very audible now, right? Uh, at the end of the, and look, understandably, you're losing 3 1 to a, to a Dublin rival, but it's the manner that they got beaten in. They, they, by a 20 minute, 15, 20 minute spell in the second half, they didn't look dangerous whatsoever at all. Like, so the formation was chopping and changing. Uh, the back four was making a mistake after the, like, Likes of Kieran Kelly, who I think is one of the most underrated centre halves in the league. He was just misplaced passes, misplacing. Former Lucan United like, player, Kieran Kelly. Former Lucan, former <laughs> player as well. So there you go. He's in good company and he's getting slated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. You, you can understand it, it was, they were just all over the place uh, on Monday night. But I was still surprised to see Kiko, to be honest, just for, for the reasons that I laid out there. I thought he would have, I think. For me, I would have judged them after the first round of fixtures next season yeah. with the players that you brought in and with the cup competition still still going. Yeah. Um, Michael O'Neill is... Replacement? Is he? Uh, could you see a place for him back there or do you no. think he'd ra- rather find his, his, his a chance over in England? Obviously, he goes to, he's lost his job at Stoke. He gets another job over there. If he fails at that, then he's probably looking back at Scotland or Ireland. Could you ever see him back in the League of Ireland? The both job is too early, isn't it? No, no to both. No, I could never see him back in the League never of Ireland. Never back. And I, and I could definitely never see, I could not see him going to Daily Moon Park. Imagine. Uh, you know what you can do. It's, it's three successful years of Shamrock Rovers, two league titles in three years. Uh, some very magical uh, European memories as well while he was there, but if you look at his time at Stoke City, and I'm not sure, like we talked about the gap in Lenzo Senior and Fourth Division, but the gap between Premier Division and Championship Football in England, we're not going to, I'm not going to even try and sit here compare that. Yeah. But his highest finish for Stoke City was 14th over two and a half years. I think that and the mix of his style of play, which can be abysmal to the eyes, um, really sort of seeing him out the door for uh, Stoke City. So I think if you take that into consideration, Roy, I would actually go as far to say that if just say we're going to top of Shamrock Rovers because everyone will top of Shamrock Rovers and Michael O'Neill. If Shamrock Rovers were to, if Superbaddy was to leave and go take a job uh, across the water or wherever it may be, and Michael O'Neill was to come back into Shamrock Rovers, I think it would be a bit backward step, completely because of the style of play that he plays. You have a young, versatile manager in Bradley that's willing to play attractive football. Same with Derry City, Roy, because for me, Rovers and Derry City are the only two that can probably afford his wages. So yeah. to, to lose young managers and Stephen Bradley and Roby Higgins, I think it would be ridiculous. Just and the thing is, Nate, what was. I see with Michael O'Neill is when he was with Northern Ireland, they played that style of football. They sat back and then they trying yeah. to counter attack or, wh- or whatever. But there were always a solid base to to try and break down. When you go to another club, you would think then, okay, Stoke City, we can compete here. He didn't change his style. So it wasn't just that he was doing that style for Northern Ireland because the players were limited and trying to get the best out of them. It shows now that when he went to Stoke, he did the exact same thing. So, is that it? That that's kind of looks like he's limited to that style yeah. of football. It looks like that's just that's the way he's set in, doesn't it, Roy? Uh, and who wants uh, Bose? Bose won't want that. No, Derry City so won't want that. Shamrock Rovers won't want that. Dundalk wouldn't want that. No, no. 
and like that, that's that's even going into the whole wages team, but like as a style of play, it would for all the teams you just mentioned there, Roy, and even though Bows have a vacancy, it'll still be a backward step because mm. whatever people will have their begrudgings against Keith Long, but you can never knock this the, the style of play that you produce for Bohemians on a consistent yeah. basis. These sides were, were always enjoyable to watch, like, mm. but yeah, you look at going to top of the whole Northern Ireland team, we have another former uh League of Ireland man, Ian Barrowclough, Northern Ireland manager there, just signed the new contract extension not that long ago, so you'd imagine. Michael isn't going to go back there anytime soon. He has a bit of history up in Northern Ireland in the uh, the you know the NIFL Premiership just started not that long ago. So you know David Glenn Torren could go up there again. The wages thing coming to factor. Yeah. I think if he's going to go somewhere, we'll see him back in England or maybe even in uh, the FPL. You see, Dundee got battered nine 0 by Celtic. They have a, a vacancy open there. So Dundee yeah. United get it right, uh, Nathan. Excuse me, pardon my French that one Dundee United fan listening in. Well, the, the Dundee fans <laughs> are come streaming down after you. Um, okay, so Michael O'Neill's off the off the cards. Who the is table. who? Who's on? Who's on the table now for that Bowles job? Do you think? Um, I believe Glen- Glenville. I'm I'm saying I believe Glenville. You told me before the game. Glenville are looking for a new manager. Uh, Owen Hearley might yeah, have Owen a little Hurley's, head peeking himself in there. Senior. No, I can't see on here he going in either. Uh, yeah, he was doing the Lenzo senior rounds. Uh, the Bowes manager for a short spell went here to Sligo and it was an absolute disaster. Um, if I think I'm looking, like Trevor Crawley and uh, Derek Pender are gone in now in charge on interim basis. I think for the role that Trevor has in the FEI means he can't take full time employment, which is a shame because I think Trevor, if he's there, willing to do it, he's mm. the obvious choice. Derek Pender's going through his coaching badges at the moment. I think that, that's that's a route that a lot of people are going down now, aren't he? We've seen Stephen O'Donnell getting his first job yeah. with Pats. We've seen Johnny Russell now got his first job here with Sligo. So, I think so do you think was, it's more likely that they will go in-house? I think if, if Pender's there and, and the, the, I, I'm not, I, I, ignorance is coming through, but I, I'm not too sure where he is on, on his path yeah. in terms yeah. of coaching. But if the qualifications still stand, I, I think if you have a guy like Derek Pender ready to go and ready to learn, yeah, that's the one for me because you know you have your Liam Buckley's there with job, you have your Vinnie Pierce there with job. Collie O'Neill is a very good coach. I really, really rate Collie O'Neill. He's been out of a job for a long time now. I know he he is a job elsewhere, but ever managerial job I mean. So even Neil Fenn, you know, there's there is some good coaches out there without work. But I think if you look at someone like Derek Pender, former club captain, modern day, you know, highly regarded. It's, I think that we want that excite both fans more than you know getting in the Liam Buckley. What about no, so, no disrespect to Liam. What about someone like Stephen Rice? Yeah, someone like Stephen Rice. We even even off camera, boy, we talked about Kevin Hunt as well, didn't we? Kevin mm. Hunt got ten years at Bowers, and absolutely, he's adored by the Bowers fans. He's going through. We think he's a scout now over in England. So someone like that, I think you could see coming in rather than a recycled League of Ireland manager. Yeah, okay. Robbie Keane? No, he's still, still getting his money, yeah. Okay. Why right would there. you? Why why would you? If, if you walk in, why would you? I wouldn't get up me. But in fairness, to, in fairness, that's why I was saying Stephen Rice, because obviously he's been over with Palace, he's he's doing the, the rounds, he's been with the FAI, he's he's getting experience. If he wants to get into league of or, or into coaching and management uh, this would be a, a brilliant opportunity for him and he's gained that experience so for Bose, it, it would probably be a good fit too it's just all depends on Same you know with uh we were talking to Dave Rogers before now now with the Shelbourne legend so it wouldn't go down too well uh we were chatting to him with the, on the head in the game podcast uh, and he was talking to us about his coach and going going into uh 
into that avenue. So, and he's he's always said that it's, he's, he's loved Ireland, he loved his time in the league, and he'd love to come back and do a spot of management. So, yeah, someone like that, you know, like like I said, a Stephen Rice, a Dave Rogers, a Derek Pender. I think that's someone that you should be looking at. Okay, now we'll go on to the fan questions on uh, now in a bit, and it's uh, an, an interesting one because there's a birth of a new supporters group. Um, but we'll touch on in Birmingham, uh, Nathan, because you wanted to just. Uh, Mentioned this. It's it's part of your little Pat's moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Discuss. <laughs> oh, that would get me started, Roy. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what? I took this like a punch in the chest, even though I wasn't surprised. Uh, it was announced uh, officially by St. Pat's with a, a lovely uh, video on their social media pages that Ian Birmingham will be leaving the Super Saints at the end of the season. After 13 years, Roy, 13 years of unbelievably loyal service that is, you just don't get at League of Ireland level, understandably, for the short-term contracts and, and things like that. 452 appearances for the club. It's a St. Pat's record. 24 European appearances. Once again, it's a, a club record. Someone that's surely going to be a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, mm. I was even talking to older fans, Roy, fans that are you know, much more um, vintage, <laughs> much more well-versed in the Pats history than I am. And even they talk about Ian in terms of you know having him in, in their all-time starting 11. That's how highly regarded Ian is. Um, at the club, we've, they won one league title in 2013, two FEI Cups, the famous Cup in 2014, and last year's 2021, which A Ian very, very... As, Steady player, isn't he? Like you, you could always count on him. You're you, you're never worrying about. And if you're a manager, you know that if he's in your team, you don't have to worry too much because he's going to perform. Yeah, so consistent, unbelievably consistent. It's someone that it's one of them players that we're going to struggle to replace. Ando Preslin has given it his going now, and it's 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 been patchy this season from Ando. Uh, but with the multi-year contract, hopefully, he could bed into that role consistently because yeah, as you said, he was someone that was. Unbelievably uh, reliable. Popped up with a couple of important goals as well throughout his career, Roy. Uh, I remember one against uh, Heather against Shamrock Rovers. I forget the year now. Uh, really important. Even the 2017 year where we literally got a forced relegation. He was yeah. such a vital cog uh, in that team. So, But look, like I touched on, when I heard the news, obviously you're heartbreaking. You're like, I'm a Pats fan, uh, 2003. So for a good chunk of me fandom, in Birmingham has just been a part of the fund in Richmond Park. So, but as when I was good when I heard it, I wasn't surprised. You know, we only made eleven appearances this season. Uh, he's no longer the club captain. That's been passed on to Joe Redmond. Um, so yeah, definitely isn't isn't it uh, isn't a major shock. But there's going to be lovely tributes table by Ian because the Pat's legend and the modern day League of Ireland legend as well. I could be here all day, or you can uh, you can take me off my little Pat's uh, program now if you want to. Okay, we will absolutely. But Ian Birmingham Thank you, Ian. is is, 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 a, is a bit of a legend, all right. There's no doubt Big about that. And Bally Fairman's finest. <laughs> he's still going. He's still going. Stop him. Okay, yeah. fan, que- <laughs> fan question, Nathan. Fan question. Uh, big shout with to Ronan Cavanagh. We thought he went yeah. missing. I was worried sick Fair about play, you. Ronan. I had a uh, third party out. So yeah, look, help us out like Ron and those lads. Get in touch with your fan questions. Uh, the big kickoff on our social media pages. Spark up the debate. That's what we want. Get them into us. The more controversial, the better. Tell Roy Shanahan on social media, Luke and I show you. 
tell them going on, on social media Pats are getting relegated well they actually are they're shy at the moment because they lost their first league game there the other oh, night 3-0 so to minutes so that really uh, gave me a kick in the, the hole but uh, anyhow it's only the first game we move game. on before we get you started now it's tears starting already yeah yeah we're both we're both, we're both, we're both <laughs> messes this season uh, yeah come on Ronan Ronan actually hit me with a bit of knowledge I didn't notice um, he informed me that there has been an independent Bray Wanderer supporters club recently has been set up so Rona wants to know how much of an impact can these supporter groups make on a club? Well, this is a big one, Nathan, isn't it? Because Bray is in such turmoil at the moment that, uh, and there's such a big divide between them and their supporters or so-called supporters. or We don't even know now uh, who's the supporters, who's not the supporters, who are the... the the tugs. Who's Cabin who's Bray. Yeah, who's Bray. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mess there. So for them to have an independent Bray supporters group who will hopefully communicate in an intellectual way with the club and the club back in the exact same way so that they can form a, a positive relationship and a fan base and a support uh, that will be cohesive uh, and work together. It, it's, a, it's a no-brainer for me. I think, what is it, the 1985 Seagulls? Is that what they're called? Yeah, the 1985 Seagull Supporter Club. Um, we've talked about this before as well, Roy, that they, they've had their first meeting in terms of, you know, putting a, putting a structure into place with president, secretary, treasurer. So we'll, uh, we actually must so see if we can get one of the lads on because it'd be really interesting to see. It's the independent thing, isn't it? You know, we've, we've seen Dundalk recently set up a supporter club when they change their ownership and they're doing fantastic work over there. They really, really are. Uh, it's a great benefit to have in any club, but the fact that it's independent, I think to start off, it's just getting yourself into the room, isn't it? It's getting yourself mm-hmm. into a room with Bray Wanderers officials, with uh, Chairman Tony Richardson, because that's a real sticking point uh, that has been on, for Bray fans, is the lack of communication between, you know, uh, well, transparent communication between the, f- the supporters and the higher-ups at the club. We, we've talked about the failed merger. We can't call it a failed merger now between Cabin and Bray Wanderers. Everything about it has just been a... From the very start, though, Nathan, when we heard about that there was going to be a merger of these two, we knew straight away, well, that means one club's going to uh, finish up, and, and that was Cabin in name. But... It, 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 there's mergers when did a merger ever go well yeah. very few yeah. it's a very small percentage anyhow if if, if they have it just it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me unless it's a financial merger that's gonna you know ex- explode the team and club onto the League of Ireland uh, I suppose up the division and really be challenging and that's not happened no, it hasn't. It's, just, it's brought them backwards. You're looking at a Bray Wonder yeah. side. That, that's it. The season's over in the fourth division. They're knocked out of the cup. Uh, they're not getting making the playoffs. It's a squad that's... We, I actually, I remember, it could probably, I sound like an idiot if you, if you go back to uh, any previews we've done for the fourth division. I talked about how beefy the squad was. It's one of the most depth squads in both divisions. But a lot of it is full up with Cabin TV players from last year. And this mm. is Cabin TV side that finished toward bottom last season. Yeah. So what were we really expecting to, to come in? Like, like no, look, there's loads of Connor Clifford's smashing player. He's been very, un- he's barely played this year. He's been so unlucky with injuries. Well, Manley's the same. I tell you, you know? what, Nathan, what, what I've, I've heard through the grapevine that, that Connor Clifford uh, was looking to move and uh, wasn't allowed move from uh, Bray he was told to stick with his contract he had a contract and fair play they had the contract they're honouring their side of things but 
uh, I've heard that other players there didn't like what was going on and there was quite a, there was quite a few who didn't want to be there the atmosphere was rotten to the core this is not only pointing fingers at supporters or or anything like that there's there's a lot it's a lot deeper than we think yeah, but can you blame them? Lads wanting to move on, you know. We, we've, we, like I said, we've all seen the videos of Pat Devlin confu- confronting fans. It's still a miracle how, how Pat Devlin's in that squad, and it's not being disrespectful of Pat. He's, he's a bona fide legend at Bray Wanderers and should be respected mm. that way. But the, the, the standard of football that he's produced, and that is on Pat. The, the what he did one field is on Pat Devlin, and it's yeah. been horrific. It's been absolutely horrific yeah. to watch. Uh, the communication's a massive issue. The fracture relationships now they're getting worse and worse. The week goes on between. You know the, the local community and the, and the supporters, and hopefully the, the likes of the nineteen eighty five Seagull supporter club can make a difference because God knows they really really need it, don't they? They need to either break up this merger or have a complete sit down and air all the grievances, and I can't see that happening. Absolutely, and the biggest part is to weed out those scumbags that are you know going to these games and causing trouble. So. Get them out of there, first of all. Get the real supporters in to communicate with the club and can they all work together and go forward and, and make the team. It's a huge thing for Bray. Bray is a big area. Like They should really be working together as a community down there and make it. That, that place should be bigger. The Carlisle ground should be... Uh, they should be supporting them there should be money flooding in from local areas local businesses the more people you get down into that area you have the likes of Bows and, and, and Shamrock Rovers and Derry and all you're bringing people into that area you know we've, we've, we've really got to start working together as a community I, I, I go out there and I look at the GAA and walking out there tonight around the park and it's full of GAA teams around the park playing it's, and there's only one team Lucan Sarsfields in Lucan and it's a parish and they all work together as a parish GAA. It everything's so fractured with, with football in Ireland. We need to start working together as as communities. Bray needs to start working together as uh, as a community. And it's like Tala and all these other places work hard, work together. Like you say with Sligo, you always rave about how how well they work together over there. That's Brilliant. what every club needs to be doing. Yeah, a hundred percent. They really do. Um, I know it's different with every club. Some clubs are fan owned. Some clubs have a, a, a financial backer, but that doesn't matter. We should be really it, the these clubs should be the hopes of your community, and that's yeah. like you said, Luke and Sarsfield for you, if not for you in particular, but for your community is a parish, and I think that's especially in these towns around the country where there's only one club in a town. This should be yeah. the, the heartbeat of, of the towns, and a lot yeah. of clubs unfortunately just aren't aren't uh, utilizing that. So hope the supporters club like like this. The question uh, is, Nathan. The question is, should Every club have a, 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 an independent supporters club. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely think so. Uh, because independence, the big word, isn't it? It's, it's fan. Re- get the, most importantly, get the right people in. The right yeah. people in that they're not going to rant and rave. That they're going to be sensible and they're going to listen and take in uh, the key issues. Not no, just the smaller issues that we all find tidbits that we find annoying, but. Yeah, I think the fact that, it, that it's independent has nothing. It's separate the club. You don't have board members on the supporters club. It's a, it's its own identity. It can really get in and build relationship with the club, improve the improve the um, the communication, but also work as community outreach and yeah. make them bonds and relationships uh, as strong as it should be. 
Yeah. Okay, we're going to leave it there, Nathan. Thanks very much for that. Thanks for everyone who's listened again to us ramble on about League of Ireland. But it is what we love. And if you've listened to this far in the show, it's something that you love. So do get in contact with us. Send your questions on um, if you want to uh, watch it. It's on YouTube, of course, on the Big Kickoff League of Ireland channel. And it's on uh, most if not every podcast uh, provider around. So do listen to us if you're watching this on YouTube. Talk to you soon.